Raptors fans. Ben and I are back with a kind of Raptors playoff edition. We're going to talk a little bit about the Raptors, but mostly about the conference finals. Some incredible series, some shocking results. I don't know if you'd say shocking. That might be a step too far for you, Ben. But before we dive into playoff basketball, the wonders that that are, uh, how are you doing? Personally, I'm doing great. I unplugged a bit from basketball the last couple of weeks. Summer has kind of started. The weather's been beautiful. So I've been getting a lot of time outside in the sun. Um, but now I'm ready to dive back into basketball with the conference finals upon us. There's been some spicy basketball so far. I know that. But Aaron, yeah. I have not. I have not unplugged. I've been <laughs> continuing to mainline basketball. I've been watching pretty much every game. And I don't I don't anticipate that changing. I just have absolutely no life. So I'm all about it. Uh, before we before we start talking about the big picture stuff here, let's let's just wrap up the I guess the second round. So we had the Celtics versus the the Bucks, and this is I think this is an all time series. People were saying before it like this is potentially playing for the NBA championship. Obviously, the Bucks have no Chris Middleton. This this the series went to seven, but I think. That was just to some luck with the Bucks that won that one game that they won. I think it was game five that they won in Boston with the comeback was just so fluky. Like, you know, they won, they legitimately won, but they hit six threes in the fourth quarter. The offense, the missed free throw with the offensive rebound, you know, it was just like everything went right for them in that game to, in order to win it. But just like Pantheon stuff, like Giannis, I think, is cementing himself as the best player in the league right now, which is. Yeah. Jalen Brown had some really high praise for him after the series. He called him the best player on the planet and was talking about how special the stuff he was doing on the court was where like the Bucks offense was getting stifled and Giannis would still be putting up 40 points. You know, I think there was a lot of questions answered by Giannis in this series of like whether last season was fluky or if he's a real playoff performer and the Celtics are, I think a lot of people around the league are looking at them as the favorites for the championship. They've performed the best, had the toughest mm-hmm. competition so far, and they just look so well-rounded, even with Robert Williams' health status kind of being up in the air. I think they're just so good that like, you, it's not a knock on the Bucks or Giannis that they lost to this team. Yeah, and despite how good the Celtics are, and they are, you know, they are Raptors 2019-esque on defense in terms of what they're able to do out there in terms of switching and scheme and whatnot they're all super intelligent and then you know a lot of them are crazy athletic and just very very smart big strong defenders so like their defense is terrifying what Giannis did was incredibly impressive but if Chris Middleton was back this series seems like a 50 50 you know like and like I mean I feel like you have to kind of give the edge to the bucks if Chris Middleton's there he's they're second or third best player third depending best on player. the night third like yeah player. drew yeah. i i lean that way too but yeah like he's a great player and they were missing some that ball handling some yeah. shooting yeah like they missed his offense and yeah. you kind of have to think with how close things were that but i think you just have... replay things the bucks got some lucky finishes to win some games you know i think the bucks tended to win closer games than the celtics won blowouts but yeah th- this series would be super close even closer than it was and it was 
This is an all time series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like this is one of the series where both teams come out looking better because the level of play was just so high. The level of defense, the intensity was just incredible. And yeah, it felt like a finals, a final series. Yeah. Yeah. I think both these teams, but on like, okay, I guess we're zooming out a little bit here. The, these playoffs feel very balanced where so many of these teams have a real shot at winning the championship. A few bounces yep. go their way. Like the Bucks get eliminated here, but if they beat the Celtics, you know, could they, they can win. win the championship? Yep, absolutely. Sure. Especially if Chris Middleton comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think both teams here cover themselves in glory. And what we're seeing is, is parody in the league, which I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's a welcome change. I don't know. I, I kind of liked having the super teams, and you know, seeing teams try to do whatever they could, innovate however they could to try to knock them off, and you know, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. As long as the basketball is great, I'm here for it. Yeah, I. <laughs> the super teams have very compelling storylines where there's like a dynasty from year to year that everyone yeah. in the league is gearing up against. Like we're missing a little bit of that, but. I also just love the fact that all these playoff series are close and all the, all these teams are kind of, they're finding different ways to, to be great and, and find their success. But yeah, yeah. let's stick in the East here. Um, so after the, you know, the, the Joel Embiid injury, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers, they lost to the Miami heat. That, that series was four two. I think the way it happened with the game six collapse where they just got blown out, out hustled. James Harden looked horrible. Just the way that they lost, I think has people with a really sour taste in their mouth. But Mm. I think if Joel Embiid was healthy and Siakam didn't elbow him, the Sixers could win this series. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Joel Embiid, a healthy Joel Embiid is, so tough to stop that that's it's entirely possible but the team around him like Harden's play is just so inconsistent he had that great game six against the Raptors but then like he flops against the heat I yeah, he he was he had one good game in the heat series right he had game four yeah. and that was it right yeah. it's tough to see with the inconsistency of the play around Joel and beat this team being a champion like a real championship contender like would they have enough to beat the celtics or the bucks in the next round like i don't know no no i don't think I'm, so. I'm skeptical yeah and they kind of flopped a bit in the playoffs in my mind like the raptor series shouldn't have been as close as it was and like i don't know with going all in for harden this is a huge disappointment yeah and the the comments by Embiid, uh you know he's one of the more honest and forthright players when he's talking to the to the media i'd say often to his detriment but uh he was he said you know harden need to be more aggressive but also that the houston harden is just he's gone that doesn't that that player doesn't exist anymore and he's right he's right absolutely but that's that's kind of you shouldn't say that about your teammate (laughs) yeah being like well he's in a different stage of his career right and i don't know if harden thinks that but then also he was said that they didn't they the, the heat were just way tougher. And yeah. You know, it's like you look at the team, it's like, well, Embiid's pretty tough. He was playing through a pretty brutal injury. And, you know, he didn't look it's great out there. Just calling but like, out his teammates, right? Right. But like, but it's like individually, it's like Tyrese Maxey is tough, right? I don't know if Danny Green's a pretty tough guy. And I little aside here, he tore his ACL and LCL 
35. Uh, yeah, that was without a contract next year. I think it might be it for him, but he's had probably one of the best role player careers of all time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you know, it's just like I, to, to say that you, the other team is tougher. It's like, it's really pointing the finger. I think James Harden, cause I think the rest of his teammates, you know, maybe Tobias Harris isn't the toughest guy, but you know, the guys coming off the bench, like aren't especially tough, but it's just like, you know, you're, you're calling out your teammate for not your team for not being, you know, not having guys like PJ Tucker. Right. And it's, yeah, it's not it, the type of, it's not the type of comments you want from your superstar and your team leader to say that you guys weren't tough enough, which it's true, but it's just, you'd want, you don't want him saying that in the media. Yeah. I think this shows a lack of leadership and maturity from Embiid because I mean, even the past we've seen that like, he's not the leader in the locker room for these guys. Mm -hmm. He kind of comes out on the court and does his thing. But in the past, Tobias Harris has been the most vocal player and the leader and Jimmy right, Butler like right was now, when he was here. Yeah. Yeah. And like Tobias Harris is maybe their fourth best player now. And I don't see James Harden stepping up for that play. I don't think he's ever really embraced that like vocal leadership role of wanting to be a team captain kind of guy. And so I don't know. I, I see very dangerous chemistry problems here that this team has some really tough decisions to make with James Harden because they have to choose whether to give him this ridiculous max contract in the offseason. And do you want to do that with James Harden, who is coming off maybe his worst season? Definitely his worst season. (laughs) Looking old and injured. And it's like if he doesn't have that burst, we've seen how limited he is on offense now. And defense. Like that that game six effort, like PJ Tucker was just crashing the boards. And it seemed like it was just to show how little Harden was doing. (laughs) <laughs> it was just hard he grabbed like five offensive rebounds all while james harden was just standing there watching him and yeah, yeah. But like as a sixers can you do anything but give him a contract like you've you've traded away pieces to get him yeah do you have I, any other options here yeah i think you can just cut and run because i think huh. the the james harden contract is is just so toxic and I think you, you kind of look at James Harden being like, this guy could be out of the league in two years. No, like, no, no, no. Not yeah. Two years. No, because it's crazy with his mentality, like and and if he doesn't take care of himself, you know, an injury and suddenly he's gone. Right. And he Aaron, he's still performing at a high enough level that like it's going to take more than that. He one I he's one injury away from, like from he, being unplayable defensively and only being a good passer on offense right and is he willing to accept like an eighth man role no absolutely not right like and so like yeah, th- those players like it's like look at like carmelo anthony yeah but like, Car- you know, carmelo wanted to same- he wanted to keep trying i think james yeah, harden there was have there was fight. a rough transition period and then he uh, still stuck in the league like out of the yeah, league he wanted to to me he wanted yeah. to. I don't think. I don't think Harden wants it. I think Harden wants more money. So, but if no, but Melo's going on on minimums, right? He's not making money anymore, especially compared to what he made, right? Yeah. And I, Harden is Harden like, is definitely getting another contract. Yes, four or five years. Someone is paying him. Wh- what though? Like fifteen million a year? No, someone is going to pay him like thirty million dollars a year and yeah, take and a that, risk. That, that team is 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 going to have made a huge mistake. I'm I'm the same mistake. boat as you, but playing devil's advocate here, like yeah. James Harden, 
he was playing through a hamstring injury. Like his agent's going to be in everyone's ear. Oh, like he just he doesn't wasn't going to get healthy. He's going to be in people's ear. He's going to yes. be whispering in Daryl Morey's ear. Yeah. I, my hamstring like injury. I just like, you know, I couldn't get to hundred percent this season. Give me an off season of rest and time in the strip clubs, getting massages. Right, so you if know. you're the 76ers, do you, there's no way I'm extending him this off season. It's like he opt into your, to your final year. And then, and then we go from there. We see how next year looks and then you become a free agent and we'll take care of you if you play well. But that's not how the business works. If they don't give him an extension, he's going to say like if he does have a bounce back year and in the contract season, he's going to be motivated. He's going to be like, I'm finding the team that pays me the most money. That's not the 76ers. Sure. Like that's going to destroy the relationship. And so then you're trading for one year of James Harden. You've traded Ben Simmons, Seth Curry. Yeah. These assets for essentially nothing yes like that you you will have lost you have um, you will have lost the trade for sure yeah absolutely like as a gm it seems like you can't go to ownership and be like yeah so this is the decision that we've made here we really screwed up but keep paying keep giving us our jobs keep paying our salaries even though we just destroyed the speaking, franchise speaking of keep paying like, us our salaries doc rivers has been confirmed that he's going to be the coach again next season um and I have to think if, if Daryl Morey had his way that he wouldn't be. But again, they're paying Doc Rivers like $10 million a year and ownership doesn't want to doesn't want to pay him that and another coach, something like that as well. So, yeah, you know, uh, but yeah, this this Philly team, the, the Harden situation, I think is is one of the more complex, difficult to, to make decisions because you know there absolutely is that backdoor like wink wink you know handshake agreements between they're going to take care of him and whatnot and now you can't imagine that ownership and daryl morey are eager to do that no i think they try and convince him to take a bit less money but i think they're still i think if you if you extend him if it doesn't work for like four years past this year you've just shot yourself in the foot and like this is just you know this is going to be the new like russell westbrook contract where it's like this huge albatross on a horrible player that just kills every team he's on yeah this the 76ers the whole trust the process thing has been left in shambles they had such a bright future and pretty much every (laughs) asset has been stripped away now (laughs) yeah they only have Embiid left yeah, it's pretty depressing. It's yeah. got a Maxi is their second best asset, asset. Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. Ben. Let's move over to the Western Conference here. So we have the let's start with the less interesting series here. The Golden State Warriors beat the Memphis Grizzlies four to two. Um, the Warriors put up a couple of stinkers in this one, and John Morant got hurt in I think at the end of of uh, of game four. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's been a lot of you know, there were some some hard fouls in this <laughs> in this series. <laughs> uh, definitely ones that I think you know we saw the uh, the the Dylan Brooks suspension, which I think was completely warranted. You know, and then the Grizzlies were retaliating, you know, in the media and whatnot uh, when John Morant got hurt. You know, blaming it on that weird play by by Jordan Poole, which was totally nothing, but. Uh, yeah, just like for people that didn't see that yeah. play, Jordan Poole re- like goes to reach for the ball, grabs John Rant's knee and pulls very like just a little bit. Yeah, like it was this play that's like okay, this is hardly anything, and 
the Grizzlies were freaking out about it. <laughs> I was yeah, like, I this is so ridiculous. What I heard from people is that they were just, they were trying to do suspension baiting. They yeah. were just hoping that they could get him suspended for a game. But then that they didn't disclose what the injury was. They just said it was a knee injury. So you look at people, well, he did grab his knee and he yanked it a little bit. But then it turns out it's a bone bruise. And just for the way that that play happened, there's no way you could get a bone bruise from that. You know, you could you could sprain, like you could sprain your uh, LCL doing that potentially, right? But not a bone bruise. And so it's, you know. Yeah, it's bunch, just bunch of hooey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the Warriors have not looked, especially Steph Curry, have not looked as dangerous as or as clean, I think, as we would have wanted them to in this series. I think the Grizzlies are a deeply flawed playoff team. You know, they don't have great spacing. You know, playing Steven Adams is like very dicey on defense. You know, the the roster is just it's not really like a playoff roster at the moment because of their you know, their lack of spacing and offense. And we saw a couple of games that with Joe without John the you know, they really, really struggled to score. Yeah. So you know, not a great series from the Warriors, but I mean, they, they moved on and I was definitely gr- concerned about the Warriors level of play here. Like there was so yeah. many turnovers and just yeah, sloppy just carelessness. Yeah. Stuff like in, incons- yeah, so much inconsistency, like Steph, but like Jordan Poole had an atrocious game mm-hmm. at one point. And it was just like these guys, they play too loose and free. It's, it's so much fun to watch when it's all clicking. Yeah. But <laughs> It's like the way their style of play, it it leans towards just being ridiculous, you know? Like, yeah. It's just yeah. taking chances that you don't need to take. If they played dis- more disciplined basketball, they would definitely be better for it. And so, like, I don't know. I don't love the way they're playing right now. Maybe they just didn't take Memphis seriously because they knew that they were the better team and it might change in the next round. But I'm a little bit scared about their form. Yeah, I want them to go to the finals. I had them winning it all, and I right now I'm not so confident in that. Wavering on that, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the other team here for for the Grizzlies. I mean, this season to me was a lot like the Raptors in a way that it was all gravy, right? Like they had the incredible regular season, and then the playoffs is just a learning experience, right? Like last year, the they they won the playing tournament, and then they got whooped by Utah in the first round. So that was also a great learning experience. Like these guys aren't ready yet, but their you know their their core is all so young, right? You know Morant, Bain, Jackson, like these are guys that are still on their rookie year on their rookie deals. So you know their their future is super bright and. I don't really think that there's anything negative to say about them other than they need more experience and probably a bit more uh, modernized roster in terms of, you know, being able to play, have to just have more shooters out there. Yeah, I think they definitely need to change their roster at some point here. Like they're going to have tough decisions because like when John Rant's like max extension that he's going to get most definitely kicks yeah. in, it's probably a super max um yeah it will be jaron jackson next season his con- new contracts kicking although in. They, they got him before this season so i think it's like 20 million a year which is much more reasonable it it declines but it starts off at 29 million okay and then yeah. it goes down like 2 million each year after that so it's like they're gonna start they're gonna have to start paying these guys uh yeah, yeah. and and so like there's gonna be tough decisions for a small market franchise about whether you know they want to go into the luxury tax and i think 
you know, if, if you're ever going to do it, like you have a great young team, you probably should. But it, this like this core to me doesn't scream championship caliber with just John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain. Like they I think they need to get another guy. <laughs> like another, yeah, they're, they're another one piece short player. for sure. Yeah. Like one ball handler, you know, one, you know, I think that when when the Celtics season wasn't straight got off to a slow start, Jalen Brown was was rumored as being like, well, that's a guy that the Timberwolves could tr- could trade all their future draft assets for, and that would be a mm-hmm. great fit, and that makes a lot of sense. But certainly, like you know, next season, maybe the season after that, they should be one of the teams that's looking to move all in. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, probably like as soon as next season, because yeah. you know, we always like look too. I think we always look too far into the future with these teams. Is like, oh, like this this core mm-hmm. can be together for five, ten years, and no, it's like no, it's things not. move it's like so fast years. in the NBA. Yeah. If you <laughs> if, if yeah. you think you have a window, you have to go all in because you don't know what's going to happen. John Morant, you know, like the Chicago Bulls with Derrick Rose. Like, obviously, God forbid something happens to John Morant like that, but you just never know with these guys when their ceiling is going to when they're going to peak, when they're going to get hurt. So I don't know. I think they need to take advantage of this starting next season. They need to be looking to go all in as contenders. Yeah. And yeah, certainly they should be buyers very, very soon. Um, So the other series, which I think was the second most interesting after the Celtics and Bucks, but very high up there. The Mavericks beat the Suns in seven games here. This was a super back and forth series. The Mavericks winning game seven was the first time a road team won a game. And that game was one of the most shocking games I've ever seen. The Mavericks were up by, I think, 41 early in the third quarter. Uh, They were doubling the score of Phoenix. I think Phoenix scored 27 points in the first half. Yeah, it was 57 uh, 27 at halftime. Yeah. Anytime you're getting your score doubled and it's not the first quarter, you're in trouble, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Safe to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just an absolute massacre. No one in Phoenix played well. DeAndre Ayton uh, basically quit on the team and Got said he didn't want to play anymore. Uh, said he couldn't pass himself the ball if you lip read. Uh, <laughs> and then there's been, you know, apparently he has a line to Wodge, and Wodge has tweeted lots of pro things before. And he's uh, basically said that he he's, Phoenix hasn't treated him well and he wants out. Um, now he's a restricted free agent. So any contract that someone signs him to, Phoenix can match. But are they willing to pay in the max? So right. someone is going to pay him the max, yeah, right? Detroit is Phoenix match. Yeah. I don't like is Aiden worth a max? Aaron, like do you think Aiden's worth a max? No, I don't. But I think if you have like just if you're looking at it in terms of like, oh, you know, what what kind of what kind of value do you get per dollar, right? Is he worth the max? No. But if you're a young team with just boatloads of cap space, he's a productive player. He's young, he could get better. Especially in if you're Detroit, like, you know, you have a good backup center now, but you don't have a good starting center. You want to surround uh, you want to surround Kate Cunningham with better players that, that are, you know, good players and start trying to win games. Right. And, you know, they have oodles of cap space, so you could definitely do worse. And it's not like one of these like James Harden, 50 million a year maxes. It started it starts at 30 million. Right. So 
you're getting someone for their early prime, they could improve. You could definitely do worse, right? Do I think he'll play up to that? Probably not just because of the position that he plays, but yeah, and so, he is, like, yeah. So he's pretty offensively limited. Like he, he hasn't been a dominant offensive player at any point in his career. He shows yeah. flashes every now and then, but it's tough to think he gets there and he's, he's a great defensive big, but you know, yeah, it's, I think, I think some, flawed. some, some team with tons of cap space, OKC, Detroit, you know, the team like that I mean, is other teams throw could max do at trades like Charlotte, but then, I imagine then you're giving contract. something up and that seems like a lot to give up something to also pay him the max. What if it's Gordon Hayward? <laughs> But are you giving something up then? Because you kind of want to get rid of that anyways, right? Yeah. So, like, uh, but, but maybe if he if he's somewhat healthy, Phoenix is like, okay, we'll we'll take him yeah. for free and eat his contract because he could still help us in the playoffs, you know? Right. But is Sarver willing to go deep into the tax to pay eight in the max? Well, who knows how much longer Sarver has control of this team? It's really hard to get rid of owners. It's really hard. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's a really tough predicament. Like this is another team with the Suns where you know they have Chris Paul's huge contract and Chris and Paul he, he was, fell apart. Yeah, he was I, for the first time in his career he was being targeted on defense and it worked. Yeah, for the first time in his career, right? And like this is a sign I think of more to come, where he's just going to become less and less mobile. It's harder and harder for him now. to get a shot off. It's harder and harder for him to play more minutes, right? And it's just like he the decline is already started, but it's going to just get steeper and steeper. Yeah, and you have Patrick Beverly with incredible segments on ESPN, <laughs> just absolutely slandering Chris Paul, saying he's a cone out there and then going further on to explain what that meant as if we didn't know understand what calling him a cone <laughs> on defense was he's like you know those cones that you just sit there on the practice court and you run around that's what he is yeah, and like people talk a lot about like suing someone for slander and libel like this is actually slander and libel here like yeah. chris paul has been a great defender most of his nba career uh, this is just it, pure hatred and, and it was incredible yeah it was absolutely incredible yeah. but yeah Chris Paul has three more years at 30 million after this. So like he's not going away anytime soon. And I mean, yeah. like one bad series, like before this, the playoffs, he was great. It's like he faded down the stretch here. They would not have know. won the neuron series without Chris Paul playing the way he did. Right. Yeah. Like he, he's had some incredible moments in that playoffs. He had that game where he didn't miss a shot. Like yeah. he still is. A great player and i think just like five bad games is you can't write him off for that um but this team like with deandre and potentially leaving all of a sudden they're maybe their window is closing here yeah and like devin Booker looks how... like a fraud i'm just gonna say it as like a superstar player he was fourth oh, in mvp he... voting yeah yeah bullshit. That... bullshit 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 no no mvp is about regular season so it doesn't yeah, matter uh, if you think that Devin Booker is the fourth best player in the league. Yes, absolutely fraud. But getting fourth in MVP votes does not mean that if you think he's a top 15 player in the league. Yes. Delusional. I would I would agree with that. 
I think I yeah. think he's kind of around that area, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, think he's, I think he's around like fifteen to twenty. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm being overly harsh here. He's he's, he's a good player, but yeah. it's like they don't have this top ten guy. And we, I mean, we talked about yeah. this like in our playoff preview and whatnot. Like, yeah, neither of us believe team. in the Suns. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, and I think a lot of people that doubted them just are feeling vindicated vindicated here yes very vindicated yep but okay we've hated on the suns here let's give credit to the mavericks and let's i remember before the season we were talking about over-unders we were talking about the dallas mavericks how much we hated the coaching hire of jason kidd I think you were lower on it than I was, but I don't think anyone was high on it. And I was saying, well, like sometimes people change, they can learn. And Jason Kidd and their staff has this team completely bought in playing electric defense. And you just see that they are, they are so united. They are so locked in onto what they're doing. They've, they've got Luca to buy in and and to give effort on defense i know there was there was game two in this series where he was just getting mercilessly targeted and it looked like the series was going to be over but he stepped up and this team is just it's firing in all cylinders and it's one of the teams that i think you see it probably has one of the most the, the best team chemistry right now in terms of everyone being bought in and knowing what they need to be doing and what what kind of shots they should and shouldn't be taking and what they need to be doing on defense so I, I think right now this is looking like one of the best coach teams in the league. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Although I think Miami Heat fans and hashtag heat culture might <laughs> argue about the team chemistry aspect. But I mean, I think we have to talk about that midseason trade of Kristaps Porzingis yep. for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis. Getting Bertans. rid of the cancerous lump that KP was and yeah, replacing like, with guys that, that want to be there and can contribute. Like that game seven, Spencer Dinwiddie mm-hmm. was cooking and yep. going off. And, you know, he he's kind of this X factor that really helps when Luca needs a rest. And, you know, it's not all on Jalen Brunson. Then at that point, there's another guy that can do some ball handling and help. Yep. Yep. And it, it, so it adds some dynamism to their offense. But then these small ball lineups that they play, there's just like no teams outside of maybe like the Denver Nuggets with Jokic, like no one can abuse these small ball lineups. Like the Phoenix Suns, Aiton couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Aiton and, couldn't, and that I think was like, if you're a Suns fan, that's got to be the most disappointing disappointing thing is Dwight Powell is the biggest guy that the Mavericks played all series. Like, I mean, Cleveland's about the same size, right? But like Aiton has a, a big size edge on and, and like strength edge on all these guys and just couldn't use that at all, right? And yeah, you know, that that's a bit of a red flag when you're when your big center, you know, doesn't use his size. And that's been a criticism of Aiden ever since he's gotten into the league. So, yeah. And when you can play these five out lineups with Luca, it's just so tough to deal with. And so, yeah. And the fact that they not only hold up on the defensive end, but excel on the defensive end is, yeah, you know, it's like, let, let's Jason Kidd to- deserves his props. Yeah, for sure. And let, let's move on to the our sort of our predictions here. Let's start with the the teams we just talked about: the Warriors versus the Mavericks. I I'll, I'll go first here. <laughs> okay. I think the Warriors are going to spank them. Really? Yeah, I think that the way that the Warriors play is going to absolutely punish the uh, the way the Mavericks play defense, 
because they're going to have to be playing much further out on the perimeter. The Suns, you know, they were playing a lot of Aiton, playing a lot of guys that like couldn't, you know, aren't huge threats from three. Like the the dirty seeker with Devin Booker is he's not actually a great three point shooter. Like campaign was basically unplayable. The Suns had a lot of guys out there that weren't like deadly three point threats. Uh, you know, they were most of the time they were playing a center, right? That was letting the Mavericks help and when you have the Warriors, they have these guys flying around these screens and you're going to have to be playing on the perimeter a lot more than you were against the Suns. And that's going to open you up to all these backdoor passes that, this, that the that the Warriors are known for. They're going to be chasing people around a half court. and it, it, it's, it's a totally different assignment on defense. And I don't know if the Mavericks have the personnel to do it, especially if you're asking Luka to do that. And then defensively, I think the the Mavericks are going to kind of get what they want, but I think if the Maver if the Warriors force Luca to just score everything, they're going to limit his efficiency, and they're they're just not going to be able to keep up with the Warriors. All right, uh, yeah, I don't have the same thoughts here, Aaron. Like, how are the Warriors going to guard Luca? They have basically no one that can actually guard him well. Maybe no one, Andrew no one Wiggins? does. No one does. Yeah. Bridges is like one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah, but he's, he's like he's eight a, under the rim. He's a little stick compared to Luca. <laughs> I, I, There's no yeah. one in the league that can guard Luca. Jordan Poole and like Steph Curry are going to yeah. get hunted to death. Yeah, but as long matchup. as long as you just keep Luca from getting to the rim and creating easy shots for his teammates, just make him shoot every time, like take a jump shot. I think you're going to be doing do all right. How do you stop him from doing that when he gets a switch on with Jordan Poole on him? Like that's he's just gonna bruise him under the basket. Yeah, he's let just let him take him open three after open three, right? Like I think yeah, I think the Mavs are gonna get open three after open three. Like as it, long as it's Luca taking them, like Luca is a thirty percent three point shooter, right? Like I think yeah, you try to if it, get, if his shot's not falling, he's just gonna bully his guy into the post. The the Warriors yeah. are playing so many small players, and Luca like in this series we saw Luca post up eight in that points. He was just. Like he could put his shoulder into anyone and he's strong enough to like move them. Mm-hmm. I see this as a big matchup problem for the Warriors where their defense is gonna struggle. And then like defensively on the Mavs side, these small ball lineups, like they can switch everything. And in this Phoenix series, there's a great thinking basketball YouTube video on how they adjusted and started hiding Luca in mm-hmm. uh when they he was trying to get hunted by Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And like I think if the Warriors try and do some of the similar things, like the Mavs are going to be able to adjust, and Luca is the only defender that they need to hide. Everyone else can kind of switch and is really locked in and playing well. I think this is a good matchup for the Mavs. I still think the Warriors are so good that to me it feels like a coin flip. Honestly, I think this goes seven, and I probably pick the Warriors at the end of the day, but I am not confident in it. <laughs> I I just I think that the Luca magic. Uh, I think that the Warriors just have a huge talent edge in this series. And we could look at this as being like a battle between Steph and Luca, where it's like pretty even. But Aaron, the way Steph has played, like Luca yeah. is the best player in the series. And I don't think it's that close. I, I, I'm a Steph believer. I'm a Steph believer. Like, I, believe I think, in I, Steph, think he, like, I think he's been playing down to the competition. I think this is now like people are doubting the Warriors. I, th- I bet a lot of people in the media are picking the Mavericks here. I, th- I think we see the Warriors return to form and you, we get the best 
that we that Draymond and Steph can can cook up, and I think it'll be good enough. I don't know. I it's so tough to know what they're doing. Like it, it's getting to the minds of these players. Like it's it's hard for me to believe that they're re- like so relaxed in a playoff series and not locked in, and like they weren't taking Memphis seriously. Like I have a really hard time believing you go into a playoff game with that mentality. I think this team just is sloppy and turnover prone. And mm-hmm. when they make these mistakes, like the competition just keeps getting elevated and there's less and less margin for error. And with yeah, how good Luca and the maps are if playing. They play, if they play like they did against the Grizzlies, Dallas will win this series. Yeah. I I, I agree with that. But I think the Warriors are better than that. So I do I'm too. I still think it's going to be really close. Yeah, I, well, I think Warriors in seven. I hope you're right from a from a viewer perspective. I would love to have another, you know, highly competitive, super close series between these two great teams. So, yeah. Yeah, I think this is to me is the series to watch here. I think this is going to be the funnest playoff series we've seen. Uh, agreed. Let's move on to the East here. We have the Boston Celtics against the Miami Heat. People are talking like this is going to be some kind of close, competitive, hard fought series. I think this is like Celtics in four or five. Wow. Just I think no respect gonna, for the heat, eh? If if Miami can score 90 points in a game, I think it's because they're shooting about 50% from three. <laughs> so Jimmy Butler, just his his performance so far, these playoffs, irrelevant. Like he's been I, great. Against, against the Celtics defense? Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> I don't think they they, they have no reason to give him an inch. Like they can switch everything. He can't post up anyone out there. They can send help at him. The the Heat are always playing multiple non shooters. It's this is this is a nightmare offensively for the Heat. I think yeah. this is this is just any anytime they score, they're just going to be clapping because it's like, yay, we scored. And <laughs> and I yeah, do the, have a hard time picturing the Heat having and success on offense. The Celtics, I think the Celtics can get to be average, right? Uh, like the the Heat's defense is great, but just the way the Celtics play offense, the way their their ball movement has been, they, I think they figured out some stuff against uh, against Milwaukee, the Heat. And the Bucks both give up, I think, the the first and second most threes in the league. And I think the Celtics are are content to move the ball and take open threes as they come. I think they they learn that as a team that if they just trust each other and move the ball and take open threes, their their offense is going to be fine. It may not be elite, but you don't need to to have anything better than average if you're holding the other team to like you know worst offensive marks in the regular season. So I think yeah. This series definitely feels like a defensive battle because the Heat on yeah. defense are also really, really good, mm-hmm. and and so I just think I there's do, more guys to pick I, on for the Heat, especially like like you know we're talking like Gabe Vincent, you know anyone they're playing at the guards. I think if, you know it's hard for them to switch and whatnot. Those and guys are pretty solid though. They're, they're I think okay they'll, against they'll, Philly. Just, that's okay against the Boston guys. Less less okay yeah. with that. I just have more faith in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to like you know they're better jump shooters and if you're forced into taking tough shots they're better at hitting those tough shots than the miami heat are exactly and so both teams taking tough shots i favor the celtics and i mean i'm gonna give the celtics or like the heat a bit of credit here and say this goes maybe to six 
Uh, but I do think the Celtics win this. At the end I, there, there is a massive talent gap between these teams, like an incredible talent gap. Jimmy Butler could be the best player in this series. No, he is. He, Jason Tatum there, is. There's some, there's some Jimmy Bucket slander going on right now. J, he's been, he's been great, but this is a really bad matchup for him. Yeah, but you know, players overcome. They find a way. He can foul yeah. bait. I don't know. Anyways, th- these are my takes. Celtics versus Warriors. I expect both teams to steamroll their series and hopefully get an amazing finals of very contrasting styles. Yeah, but... that will be a very fun finals. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, I have the same teams as you. I just you think I'm slightly closer. more optimistic about <laughs> them being closer. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that we've seen across the board here is the continued struggles of the slow plotting big man in the playoffs. Steven Adams basically couldn't play in, in his series, you know, Joel Embiid for as good as he was, there were, there were times when even he struggled on defense and as being targeted and pick and rolls. Um, you know, we've seen like the Warriors playing a lot without Kevon Looney and then he comes in and does some nice stuff of, in terms of offensive rebounding and whatnot. But we're, I think we're seeing the continued death of the immobile big man. Yeah, like even JV with the Pelicans as well had yeah, to get he, benched at certain points, and he was yeah. such a big part of their offense. Yeah, and in the playoffs, it just seems like when the defenses know that you need to like do the slow entry pass and post up play, that they can just they can they can deny that, and then they can target you when when the big man is on defense. Yeah. And what I think what we're seeing is the optimal way to play basketball, assuming there's no like crazy superstars. Cause I think Joel Embiid is still <laughs> a great player. Well worth having on the floor and can, you know, like he demolished the Raptors, right. Yeah. With his size. Right. Same with Jokic but, too. Like, yeah. If you don't have one of these transcendental players, big guys on your team, the optimal way to play basketball is five out and with big rangy defenders like as many six, eight guys as you can, which I think bodes really well for the Raptors because this is the team that they are building right now. The perimeter skill in the shooting isn't quite there, but the archetype of player is. So this has me really excited for next season with the Raptors because another year of seasoning and off season of, I think all of these guys are healthy coming into the off season too, to work on their games, hopefully become better shooters and, you know, basically better perimeter players i think this team could make some noise next year yeah i think defensively a lot of other teams around the league are looking at the raptors and just jealous of the personnel that they have even though the yeah. raptors statistically weren't at the top of the league defensively a lot of youth a, there <laughs> a lot of youth a lot of yeah. like schematic like you know offensive rebounding sacrifices defensive getting set up in the transition and you know the, yeah there's a lot of mistakes and different things going on for them but going forwards this team is primed to just be a buzzsaw on defense and you know if any of these players can put together <laughs> offensive talent like if precious Achua can kind of consistently create a shot for himself or like like get to the bucket and make intelligent plays all of a sudden this team is just cooking with fuel and can be a real threat but yeah that, those are big ifs, though, because kind of taking those I, leaps on offense is really difficult. <laughs> yeah, like I think talent is, is still the most important thing. 
but it's like unless like the the big man on your team that can be played off the floor in the playoffs is just such a huge like can be such a huge liability to your team building because you sink a lot of money and and sort of regular season rotation minutes on someone that you can't play in the playoffs mm-hmm. you know it's it's a huge question mark and i'm glad to see that the raptors are ahead of the curve here um well ahead yeah. of the curve. This has been a trend that's been evolving for for many years, but you know, it's definitely continuing to rear its head here in these playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. But ben, I think we have a bunch of emails. We have a plethora of emails there. A plethora, yeah. I'll take the first one here. So okay. this one's from Gavin. Uh hi Ben and Aaron. In your most recent pod, you both gave Siakam a really high grade for the season. We did. Uh, one thing is on my mind. Did Siakam play himself onto third onto the third All NBA team? If he did, he'll become eligible for the Supermax ex- extension that'll kick in in 2023. Uh, my question for you is: If Siakam makes third team All NBA, how would how would you, if you were Bobby Webster, approach this extension with Spicy P? I assume he wants all the money he's earned. I would assume that too. Ben, I think this is pretty easy to answer i don't think there's any discussion about a supermax extension for siakam as well as he's played and i do think he is deserving of third all nba team if he doesn't make it i'm you know i'm not going to lose my mind because there's a lot of great players in the league but i think he played at that level over the course of the season it's just i think he's fairly paid on his current contract (laughs) you know he's making about 30 million dollars a year and that's the level he should continue to be paid at. I don't think getting $50 million a year is in the cards for him. That just seems insane. Yeah. He, he's and just not that level of offensive superstar. And especially he's not that level of playoff player. Yeah. And the players that are getting paid the Supermax, half of them are dis- disasters like John Wall and Russell Westbrook. And I mean, like potentially James Harden. But like there's guys like John Morant, worth it. Luka Doncic, worth it. Like those guys, those are transcendental offensive players. And and Siakam's just not in that conversation. So I don't think he's going to be expecting that. And so I just don't think there's even going to be a conversation about it between his agent and the front office. Yeah, just if you're like, the Raptors, no you just say, well, do it again next year and then we'll pay you, right? And Yeah, yeah but what they'll yeah. pay him is not going to be a, ever going to be a Supermax. Yeah, right? like there's it, no it's way. Hard. It, it's just hard to trust him after like the, the previous two years he's had, right? Where you know it, it was it was pretty ugly, and he yes yeah. underperforming, but, right? But even if this, even if this is Siakam is what we get for the next four years, it's yeah, not it's worth a, the super. It's a thirty million dollar player, not a fifty million dollar player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just it's a non-starter. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ben, we're agreed okay. here. Next email. Go yeah, for it. I'll take it. Alex here, keeping it short. WTF is going on with the refs in these ben, playoffs. What does WTF stand for? What the fudge is going on? <laughs> what the fuck is going on with the refs in these playoffs? I feel like things are noticeably worse this year. Am I crazy or have you noticed a change too? And what can be done to improve things? This is an Alex classic ranting yep. about the refs. Love to see things haven't changed. Aaron. Do you think there's anything going on with the refs here? Is there a conspiracy? What's happening? Talk to me. I know a lot of people have been complaining about the refs, and especially in the Boston-Milwaukee series. 
and I'm I'm notice I'm notably pro ref. Yeah, you <laughs> and I have a great a explanation. Take, but you here. are always pro ref. I don't understand it. I think that they do a great job. The NBA ref, or the NBA refs, are better than any refs in other sports, and they also have really tough jobs. But I, I'm always surprised by like how often they turn out to be right when the replays come in, and everyone's like slack jawed, being like, I can't, "That call was unbelievable." And they show the replay; it's like they actually got it right. And uh, I think I think they're actually very very good at their jobs. They do make mistakes and lots of lots of them, but it's just it's a really tough sport to ref. The Boston Milwaukee series, people are complaining about it. These teams are playing so physical; they're both so big and tough and not afraid of contact that we're just seeing more contact than ever. People like to go back. Oh, back in the old days, the game was so physical. Yeah. There were just more dirty plays. There were more like clotheslining someone in which now you get a flagrant two for Right. But the actual basketball that's being played is more physical than ever, which makes it more difficult to referee than ever. Like there's going to be more contact and it's harder to determine. Well, is that contact legal or, or illegal by playing this way? You're just putting more burden on the refs. And they're going to make more mistakes because there's just more opportunities to make mistakes. So I, do, I don't think they're actually refereeing any worse or really had that much of an impact on the series. I thought they called, in general, I thought they called Giannis and the contact that he was generating and taking pretty well. Like, they, I think they got a lot of the obvious charges and a lot of the obvious blocks. There were definitely edge cases that they screwed up. But overall, I think that the series, I think people should look at the series as being quite fairly refereed and in a way that didn't bias either team. So I, I think it's just the nature of, of the way a lot of teams are playing defense is that it's very physical and it just makes it, you know, people get more on edge when they're being bumped around a lot more. I'm going to keep my opinion short here. I think the refing is fair, but I think it stinks. I think the ref the refs, there's a lot of dumb calls and I think the way they interpret the rule book is annoying um so i just i would like to see different style of refereeing but i don't think there's any bias towards certain teams or like there's any conspiracies going on i just sometimes the refereeing just drives me nuts because they uh they call ticky tacky things at random points and it feels like from game to game what they enforce is is very arbitrary Um, yeah and so i'd agree with that that every game you kind of need to like relearn like what's what they're calling and not calling which is which is certainly frustrating but yeah yeah anyways i think yeah the refing is is not the story of these playoffs like the basketball is it just like it over way overshadows remember some bad calls but like at the end of the day I don't think the refs like they may have they may have decided their game or two. I don't think they decided any outcome of any series. Yeah, exactly. All right, Ben, uh, we got a big one here from Gavin. Um, hey, boys, I got to say there's a lot swirling out there about how the Grizzlies are better without jaw. 90% of the NBA talking heads don't even engage with this narrative, citing it as ludicrous. Well, call me ludicrous because I'm firmly in the camp that the Grizz would be better off dealing jaw or at least moving him into a six man <laughs> bench scorer role. Somehow I get the sense that you think this is ludicrous. Uh, (laughs) As a jaw truther, I've done my own research in in quotes there Uh, and not engaging with this line of argument because jaw is an MVP candidate is intellectual laziness and the kind of thinking that got Westbrook on the Lakers. Let's look at the numbers. And these come before the game six loss. 
Memphis outscored opponents by 376 points in the 27 games without John Morant, plus 13.9 per, and uh, by just 133 points in the other 66 games with John Morant. So that's plus 1.7 per game. The Grizzlies outscored opponents by 4.1 percent, uh, 4.1 points per 100 possessions with Morant on the floor of the season, and 6.4 per 100 when he was off. So about 2.3 points per possession higher. The Grizzlies gave up more points per possession with Morant on the court than with any other rotation player for the season. They gave up 112 per 100 with Morant and just 105.3 without him. I think these numbers could be improved even more if they just replaced Tyus Jones, who gets most of the point guard minutes when Jaws on the bench with another three and D slasher a la Mikhail Bridges. So he doesn't even like Tyus Jones either. Yeah. (laughs) I think he's anti point guard. Uh, (laughs) Okay. I think the they are better without Morant arguments are close as it is. I tend to lean towards without Morant at this stage, but I agree it's close. I think they if they trade Morant for other pieces to fit around Bain, Brooks, Jackson, Core, this argument stops being close at all. Morant is the bluest of chips, and you could easily see them getting Michael Bridges or Jalen Brown plus other assets. Imagine how this how scary this team could be one through eight. Anyways, I just want to hear your thoughts. Gavin. Oh my! Oh my, Atlanta! I know we talked in person about this a little bit, and you didn't want to spoil it. I gotta say, I'm glad that you didn't spoil it because I am just here shocked, shocked, this shocked, is, shocked. This is this the fieriest email, take. This is the yeah. email of the year. This is the most wild take we've ever gotten on this. This podcast. is crazier than anything Alex has sent in, even when he was suggesting that Steph shoots his little brother. Um, yeah. This surpasses that. Okay. Let's break it down here. All right. The numbers for the season, the numbers don't lie. Like they are what they are. The number, the numbers they, are what they are. He, he cited the numbers correctly. I'll yes. give him that as any good, done my own research person would do he found numbers and he used them in a way maybe not he didn't interpret them correctly but he did use them <laughs> this is what drives i think basketball players crazy like the nba players when a reporter cites statistics at them and it's just like well this player is better because they have a better true shooting percentage or something like that you know it's this is missing the forest for the trees when you watch john ja morant play <laughs> I can't believe I actually have to like argue this. You do, you do. <laughs> this is our job, then. He, he's just such an incredible player. He creates so much for their offense. But I guess like to really like tackle this argument, it might be better to look at it as like, okay, Jaw takes this burden off of these guys when he is playing, and so in the in the twenty games, twenty seven games they played without Morant. These guys are fresher. Like they get, they only have to do this for 27 games. It's a lot harder to do it for 82 games. Is Tyus Jones, if he's running the offense for 82 games, is he going to put up the same numbers? Is this team going to perform just as effectively over an 82 game stretch as a 27 game stretch? And I mean, I would also love to dive into the numbers there and look at like strength of schedule and all that jazz. Like I'm well, yeah, sure shooting there's luck and yeah, yeah I'm, sure shooting there's, luck. I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of noise going on here, yeah. but I think there's valid concerns about John Morant's defense. Absolutely. He, he's not a good defender at this point. He's and, a terrible defender. <laughs> so defensively, question marks. But like if you watch a playoff game and like John Morant was doing so much for them, and you look at these other guys, none of the other guys is an elite shot creator on this team. 
they would None always be seem like an average shot creator. Like, yeah. I guess and so is, but yeah. Yeah. And like Tyus Jones, I want to give him a bit of credit. I don't know why Gavin's slandering him because he was a solid backup point guard and a big, a big reason why this team had success was success with jaw out was that, you know, he did a good job at keeping the offense running, but yeah, it's just, it's just not even close. Like this is insane. <laughs> I don't so know. Ben, let, let's help Gavin out here. Okay, okay. Like what, what is he getting wrong? Like it, like, the defense part, I think, is absolutely valid. The Grizzlies are 100% a better defensive team without John Morant. But I think what we've seen this playoffs is just that they are one of the worst offensive teams, maybe the worst offensive team, like with the Miami Heat, without Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. Like, they're probably on that level on offense without John Morant. Like, they, they struggle, struggle, struggle to score. The advanced yeah. stats in the playoffs, I think John Morant's been one of the best players, right? Like, I know this is kind of like an advanced stat argument arguing, like saying that John Morant is is not worthwhile, but in the playoffs, like the advanced stats love him. Yeah. So this team was the best offensive rebounding team in the league, right? Better, better than yeah. the Raptors even. And it's like, you know, we see that doesn't really work in the playoffs. It didn't work for the Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> they can't play Steven Adams. Grizzlies. So, the, you know, the Warriors like, yeah. out-rebounded the Grizzlies in every single game in that series, I think. Yeah. And so, like, the stuff that they could do in the regular season with hustle, with a deep bench and role players, you need offensive superstars in the playoffs to succeed. And John Morant is one of those. He can get to the basket pretty much any time he wants. He's an elite finisher. He's a great passer. Like, the shooting, so-so. But He's hitting the open ones, yeah. Yeah, like, he is just a player that you can give the ball to and he's going to create something out of nothing. And those players are so special and irreplaceable that like trading him for Mikkel Bridges would just be the craziest thing anyone's ever done in NBA history. NBA history is, is probably saying too much. People, people have done crazier things. I don't know. People have done crazier things, but yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. Like he's, he's an offensive engine and I think you will hope that he'll get better on defense with more time. And like, clearly that was like, that was an issue that was exposed this playoffs, right? Is people just targeting jaw and that's something you can learn from. And you hope, I mean, he's definitely like the type of guy to fix that. You know, he's, he's long, he's athletic. He could become at least a decent to above, above that defender. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, like I think you got to trust him that that'll change, right? And I think I think Ja is one of the the true blue superstars in this league. Like I would way yeah, rather have he, him than Siakam. <laughs> of course, even if he doesn't get better defensively, like when you have a good defensive team around your superstar, like we've seen that with Luca and the Mavs, they put good defenders around him. Have yeah, a they can hide defense. him. Yeah, yeah. It's like. It, offense is what matters. You have to score buckets to win basketball games, and Ja does that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, like, I think there's an argument if you're trying to be a Ja truther that the offense is so spectacular that he might get overrated just because of like how amazing it is to watch, and that yeah. you know, players who are aesthetically pleasing get get overrated versus players that do things in like a simpler, less spectacular way. Like there might be something there, but just to say that he's like a negative player and they should cash in on him while 
while people are valuing him that he's a kind of a fraud i think that's this is a this is gavin's hottest hottest take yeah but you know i love the email yeah <laughs> love it too sorry gavin for being so mean to you i love you <laughs> uh yeah all right enough enough grizzlies talk yeah. Do we have anything we want to talk about or are we going to be back when the conference finals are over? Yeah, I think we'll probably be back. I don't want, I feel like we on our last pod made, I made some false promises about when we'd be doing yeah. our next pod. False marketing. We're, we're going to be continuing to do podcasts. I think somewhat haphazardly throughout the summer here. When we, when we feel like talking about basketball, it might be at the start of the yeah, the end of the conference finals, I guess. It might be partway through the finals. We'll see. And we're like they're definitely going to keep doing some podcasts. I just don't know when they're coming out. Yeah, we'll we'll um, do like a draft one and a free agency yeah. one. But yeah, they'll be sporadic, less less planned. Yeah, we're kind of just going to go we're to a summer. It. We're going to a summer schedule here. Yeah, yeah, we're going <laughs> to nice, easy, it. relaxed we're, we're holiday schedule. Lots of vacation, relaxing, recharging yeah. the old windpipes, you know, getting ready for next year's uh, slew of podcasts. That'll be coming. exactly there is the we're recording this on Tuesday and there is the NBA draft lottery tonight. I mean, yeah. I haven't done any draft research yet, so don't really care about it yet. But potential Raptors do not have a first round pick. Yeah, very sad. Was the Thaddeus Young trade worth it? Let's let's do a retrospective here on that real quick. I yes hated no? it at the time, right, Ben? Yeah, you did. I don't think it was worth it. I think it was foolish to invest more in this team. Uh, yeah, I got a may. You could, if you were trying to be the most generous, you could. You could say, okay, like maybe this was the difference between them making it out of the play-ins and into the playoffs for real. But I don't think so. I don't that think seems, so either. That seems really generous. He did help them win a playoff game. Yeah, but I think there's like the the talent gap between because they were always going to be like an an away team. All Does the top four teams in ahead five of them. versus six really matter. No, it doesn't do anything for me because they didn't yeah. have a chance. If if the other team was healthy, they were they were not going to be like they shouldn't have had a chance in any of the series, right? So, yeah, but potentially if he re- I th- actually I think we can't do a full re- retrospective on it right now because he could be on the team next year and you know they got basically the rights to him they might be able to keep him around and if he's useful next year that changes the calculus of it a little bit but yeah maybe anyways yeah yeah not the most important thing Aaron the other thing we have didn't really talk about yet was the Milwaukee Bucks and their future we talked about all the other teams that lost in the conference finals and kind of where they're headed but I feel like the Milwaukee Bucks are in a very interesting space where a lot of the guys around Giannis are heading into their 30s. And like, sure, they could have won this year if Middleton was healthy. But moving forwards, you kind of have to think this team is on the decline. They gave up all of their assets for Drew Holiday. Is their window closing or is Giannis just too good of a player for that to happen? Well, I want to start off by giving a little fun fact about Milwaukee. Is that there's actually an A there between the M I L and the Milwaukee. It's not it's not spelt that way, but it's pronounced that way. So for anyone have any questions about there, it's Milwaukee. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just trolling the way you say it because it's wrong, Ben. <laughs> it's yeah. the right way in my brain. So I know. Shut the uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, their window is absolutely 
Who it's says not- Milwaukee? No one says Milwaukee. It's Milwaukee. Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee. Just flows better. Anyways, sorry. The window, it's it's closing, but slowly. Uh, like, yes, I think Middleton and Drew, and especially Giannis, like that's those are the guys that matter. Like, I don't think there's any reason why they won't be able to be at the same level or maybe even a little bit better next year. And the league is improving as a whole. So I feel like they need to improve as well. But certainly, like, Lopez is getting up there with his years. And, you know, outside of Middleton, like, they, they were pretty healthy, you know. I, and to me, it's the players around that they kind of just – I think they have to, like, kind of redo it. Like, Connaughton's been on this team, and he's been really good for them. Grayson Allen was okay. and He got targeted this series, but he was, like, a useful player for them. But then it's just, like – and it was George Hill. Like he's really old now. Can he give you anything? And they just don't really have anything else on this team. And I mean, I just like, if you're a Milwaukee fan, Milwaukee fan, <laughs> that's better. <laughs> yeah. That sounds better to you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you're a Milwaukee fan, like I think you have to hope that their front office can just get scrap heap guys that click. And certainly if you are a vet, who is looking for a minimum somewhere like Milwaukee should be a pretty attractive place because you know, they have real championship aspirations. And also like you look at the guys ahead of you, if you play well, you could get like 40 minutes a game, right? There's serious minutes and rotational opportunities on this team. So I feel like they should be able to attract a lot of vets looking to, you know, cash in and, and maybe get another contract, but also just like get a lot of minutes on a contender. But they can pretty much only attract guys that are on minimums. Yeah, like, it, it's not last it's, year. PJ it's ring Tucker, chasers, right? Yeah, they could have paid PJ Tucker ten million a year and kept him. Yeah. but they, you know, they didn't. The reality is the luxury tax that their ownership is is not willing to pay the luxury tax, so they have to basically work with all minimums outside of their big three guys, right? So, you know, that's what they have to do now. Like, and the, I think you just have to hope that they do a good job of it because. They, I think those three guys with the right minimums around them, and Connaughton being one of those guys, are probably good enough to win a championship. I don't know. I like Drew's thirty-two, Middleton's thirty-one. Like you have to expect a level of decline. Like how? I guess we just haven't seen like a player like. Drew I think Holiday. I think those guys are just. They're they're so they're such professionals like they're they're real workers that I like I just don't see but how often do you decline. see guys because stay elite defenders well into their thirties that just seems guess, so but, rare and like Drew Holiday is a special defender yeah but like just expect it's like it's all NBA it's, all defense know. level like it's just, it doesn't it doesn't need to do it in the regular season though right like as long as they make the playoffs that's all that matters for this team and I think they can dial it up in the playoffs like that that's. That's what this is about for them. Like, I don't think they need to be chasing the one seed anymore. Like they were, you know, in, in Bud's first years here, I think they can just, you know, they get the four seed as come in healthy and, and, and rested. And, and that's what matters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's just, I don't know. I, I, at this point, I'd be so. surprised if they win another championship. Yeah. I certainly there, I think they're on the outside looking in, but their hopes are that, you know, they hit on some minimum guys and maybe, you know, get a second round pick or, you know, they, they luck out basically finding scrap heap guys that can contribute. And certainly those, there are those guys every year, 
right? Like we see Max Struess on the Heat, like anyone could have had that guy, and if he was on the Bucks, like that would be amazing for them, right? So, yeah, maybe yeah. Thanasis Antetokounmpo finally realizes his potential, and <laughs> I don't know. They keep using a roster spot on him, so <laughs> yeah, it's to keep Giannis happy. Probably part of the deal. His max deal includes the contract for Thanasis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's interesting to see like there's like the the Bucks are certainly all in, and we saw this with like the Suns have got like are all in. A lot of these teams, the Suns actually they're not all in. They they have all their future draft picks, right? Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They they can the the Suns certainly have more moves to make, uh, but yeah, there are a lot of teams right now that are all in, which is which is great to see like yeah. teams being much smarter about like well we can win a championship now so we have to go for it yeah and it, and it, yeah. it worked for the bucks so no yeah. matter what happens from here it was a success <laughs> yeah and certainly if you're if you're a fan of the milwaukee bucks like you have Giannis on your team you're you're set right like you're gonna be competitive and you get to just see amazing shit every night i feel like you keep saying milwaukee to troll me but it I just do. sounds right and so i i'm not you just are saying it properly finally so i'm not <laughs> mad at it <laughs> all our fans in milwaukee are going to be really upset listening to this <laughs> all all zero of them yeah. uh all right i think that's all we have for this episode aaron anything else you want to add no just uh this playoff this playoffs has been some of the most fun ones we've ever had i think every game in the conference in the second round went to six games we had two seven games like just epic all-time basketball shit we're seeing now and it's it's been a joy yeah it's been super fun if you want to get in on the email bandwagon and are inspired by some of the spicy hot takes we got today pascal siakam level spicy send us an email at raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com that's raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com as always thanks for listening bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.